Chapter 6 I never wanted this, true. But somebody has to stop the deepness. And apparently, Terrace is the only place this can be done. On this fact, however, I don't have to take the word of the philosophers. I can feel our goal now. Can sense it, though the others cannot. It pulses in my mind, far off in the mountains. Chapter 6. Well, we are going to, I guess, open up with Vin sleeping in Clubs' shop. Um, kind of describes how she's pretty surprised by just, like, how she has her own room to herself. It's nothing fancy by any means, and, like, compared to what normal people nowadays might be used to, it's it's really very humble. But to her, it's... Luxury. It's, yeah, it's better than anything she's gotten up to this point. And so... We kind of get we kind of get the idea here that Clubs' job is to hide everybody, and so he is a master craftsman. He's a ska master craftsman. So in the city, unlike the plantation ska, the ska here can have crafts, and they can, you know, he he's been called a master craftsman. So that means he must be quite good at his job. You know, it doesn't get you much, but it gets you better. In Vin's words, you're way better off than any other ska, mm-hmm. you know, out there anywhere. And so he he has this front that he's a master woodsman, wood woodcrafter, you know, carpenter, whatever, whatever it's going to be. And he uses that as a front to hide mistings. Doxon kind of walks by and finds her spying on people because Vin, upon waking up, decides the first thing she's going to do is try to be pretty sneaky and watch what everyone does and try to get a feel for the new environment here, especially with it being she just slept here and, you know, she's never really been here before. I think it mentions later on that she, in the middle of the night, she woke up and she went about and, like, searched the whole place as as she does Mm -hmm. to make sure that nothing um, uh, mischievous was going on while she was about to sleep. But Doxon catches her um, spying and lets her know that she has a bath. Which, again, she is kind of blown away by. She has this warm bath. She goes, she takes it. The The, the water is scented with perfumes, which she's like, this is really bad. Um, you get more of, like, Reen's insight in, in this episode and the fact that she remembers, like, you know, Reen wanted me to be a boy, not a girl. Well, she doesn't say boy, but he says he wanted her to be seen as a thief first and a girl second. And that he did that for her own protection so she wouldn't catch the eyes of anybody, especially if he wasn't there. And so she's like thinking to herself, perfume makes me stand out way too much. Like me being clean makes me stand out way too much. This isn't good, but they want me to do it. And I'm kind of not in a spot where I can argue with these people. They have something I want, so I need to listen. And so she takes the bath and she goes downstairs, she gets food and the basically the squad shows up and really up to this if you want me to continue the summer we can go with it or this is your part you've been wanting to really get to so we get to where we talk about the problems and the things that are they need to actually address this is the big point in the heist where we go here are all the impossible things that we need to do and this is the, the montage in the movie where they're, they're going between different points and everything. This is what we need done. The bank vault is impossible to break into. And so let's talk about the impossible things. So he lists several things. So he lists the garrison of basically all the military that's there because that's the, that's the only like law keeping force that they have. Um, they need to cause chaos in the city. 
Um, and then they need to handle the great houses because if the great houses are there, then they're going to come in and they're going to take care of their own power and they're going to have their own armies that are set up. Um, they need to handle the steel ministry, uh, which is going to be around and one steel inquisitors can be like more, more than a thousand soldiers. Um, they need to secure the treasury treasury so they can get the ATM. Um, they need to have troops set up, uh, and to, for the skull rebellion. And then they need to handle the Lord ruler in some way. Uh, and then the last thing was Eden's bad attitude. Yeah, I want to say it was like Eden's bad attitude, and it was also um, it was also being able to train his army in a very secure location. Right, right. So the troops and the Scott, the Scott Rebellion, basically getting them all together. That was yeah. the whole the whole thing. Yeah, and uh, those were the big points, and I think it was great because you know Kelsier's like that's not so bad now that we've broken it down right and everyone else is like uh, yeah i guess it's not so bad well and it's funny because he says that and then he go they go they then the real thing comes up because we all start thinking of our own ways of solving this problem and mm-hmm. they think of the obvious stuff like they go okay so we need to cause chaos in the city um easy let's just cause a revolution and Yin's like, you dingus, have you not been listening during this whole time? Um, I am the Skull Rebellion. <laughs> we've, we've been trying for a thousand years to get them to to rebel. You're not going to be able to do that. That's just not going to happen. Then Ham was like, oh, well, let's go ahead and let's try to cause like maybe a fire. Um, and then he, he was, Kelsey was like, no, I mean, you're going to kill just a bunch of Ska and you're not really going to do very much. Um, and then Kelsier kills two birds with one stone. And he says, what about a house war? So now we're talking about the great houses, you know, basically all the nobles going after each other. Um, and that both handles the great houses and causes chaos in the city. Yeah, and Kelsier already mentions that he already started. And we got that. Uh, we got his view of him starting that in the last chapter. And we're starting to get an idea of the politics here, which we'll go into a little bit more. A bit more but that was a, you know, a neat suggestion. Two birds with one stone right there. So then they turn their eyes to the garrison. Um, and the first suggestion was, you know, the obvious one, but probably the dumber one, which is to just attack the garrison. And they're like, we're probably not going to ever be able to make an army that's going to be able to attack the garrison inside their own fort. Um, then they're like, oh, well, maybe the great houses will keep the garrison, you know, under wraps, you know, if they're having their own fight, then the garrison will be taken care of. And they're like, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, they would be still doing their job. They'd be in the city. So this is when Kelsier, I think he had an idea of what to do, like my, my head cannon is, but then he talked, he asked Vin, what would you do here? And just puts her on the spot and she gets all, all nervous about it. She's like, well, you definitely can't. He, she, he's like, you're going to, if you were going to fight someone who's bigger and stronger than you, what would you do? And they're like, well, you definitely can't fight them straight up. Um, so yeah, and she makes a good point. You can't, you can't fight them because even if you won, you can't hold the city. Exactly. You know, like you, you definitely wouldn't fight someone who's bigger and stronger than you because you would be too weak to be able to fight later. Um, so the best way is to get them to essentially leave the city. So we're talking about um, trying to get them out of the city. And they're like, well, we can cause a rebellion in a nearby city. And they're like, one, um, that, we just talked about We just that. talked about why, why we can't get, get a rebellion going. Um and two, like, that's probably not going to be a good enough problem because if it's too much of a threat, then they're not going to get the garrison. They're going to get these things called coloss or this coloss, you know, whatever, 
to go take it out. And if it's not enough of a threat, then they're not going to send the whole garrison. And so they're like, how are we going to be able to pull this off? And Ven makes the big point of the day. Yeah. How far are the pits of Hath Sin? And they're like, holy crap. I mean, it's, perfect, and it's the perfect idea because there's, you know, they, if the Lord Ruler goes crazy about the people attacking the pits of Hath Sin, then everyone's going to go, why the hell did he send such a big force to go take care of it? Yeah, get people talking. Maybe that's where his ATM is. That's and, where the supply is. And that's the thing. So he can't he can't make a big stir about it, but he doesn't have to take it very seriously. Um, and the Coloss are too far away to be able to do anything effectively. So the only real way he'd be able to take care of it would be to send the garrison. And then he needs to make sure it's taken care of really well. So he just sends the whole garrison. Um, so then we get to the troops. And so they talk about how, you know, the caves up up north should be able to take care of, uh, should be able to house maybe about 10,000 people, which Eden said that is actually more than they were expecting. And he said, I only have like 300 people there, and it's, that's including women and children. Yeah, and I th- want to say Ham mentions, which is a completely valid point, that the Lord Ruler, you know, as long as he's not expecting a giant army to be formed there, they, he already knows that those exist. But he doesn't even want to send troops to go deal with it because one, they're not a big problem. But two, cave fighting is nasty business. Yeah, he's like, you know, if the Lord Ruler's nothing if not vain, so he doesn't want to go out there and then lose, um, and so he doesn't even bother with it. So um, we were talking about they were talking about how are they going to be able to get ten thousand people, and Kelsey was like, well, there's a million people around here. We just need a small percentage of them to be able to take care of everything. So he says, Breeze, you got one year to figure it out. And Breeze is like, mm, okay, fine. We'll get that taken care of. Yeah, your your army of soothers and rioters. Go go get it done. So um, then they say they have to figure out getting weapons. And he's like, oh, well, don't worry. I can get a nobleman to help us out. And they're like, what do you mean a nobleman? And he's like, uh, we're not going to work with any noblemen. And Kelsey's like, oh, don't worry. This one's different. And they're like, oh, you've got an imposter. And... Uh, he makes kind of a big deal about that, and Eden gets all upset, but there's something you, you, going on with his imposter. You killed a nobleman? I don't care how good of a person you got that's going to do this. You know, He's going to tip us off. He's going to give us away. And Breeze comes in with that little bit of a, a, little bit of a smackdown. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're talking about. If you're <laughs> upset about that, this is worse. This is a dozen times worse, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then they uh, say that, you know, essentially they need to have a spy on the inside, someone that can kind of get information. And all of them are like, uh, I've been I've been spotted out. The Lord Ruler apparently has a perfect memory. And so he's a, he's going to everyone else is going to be figured out. So the only person they can really turn to is Ham, who is not going to be able to do it at all or Ven. And so they decide, well, we can go ahead and try to get make Vin into a noblewoman spy. Uh, and then Marsh is going to be set up to deal with the Steel Inquisitors. And as that, they show up, Marsh shows up and says, and kind of puts a stop on the party. He shall defend their ways, yet shall violate them. He shall be their savior, yet they shall call him heretic. His name shall be Discord, yet they shall love him for it. So chapter 7 um we are picking up where we left off with Kelsier and Marsh talking to each other having excused everyone during this time Vin decides she's going to be a sneaky Vin and try to listen in 
and observe what's going on between the two brothers. And let me tell you, it's pretty heated. Mm-hmm. Marsh comes in swinging and, in my opinion, swinging in a pretty brutal manner. He hands them, he's like, here's a list, by the way. He's like, what's this little list of? He's like, oh, all the people you killed, you know, attacking Venture, you know. You know, the people I knew, the people who had families. And Kelsier's like, well, they're noblemen or they serve noblemen, so they deserve to die. And Marsh is pretty upset. Um, he is really mad. And I think it kind of plays off in the beginning like he's mad at Kelsier for killing these people. But I don't even think that's it. I think he's mad that Kelsier is, in a way, trying to hijack his, his what used to be his dream. We learn that Marsh used to be the leader of the Skull Rebellion, and he put that down. Mm-hmm. And Marsh is mad because Kelsier has like this sudden shift of priorities that just seem to come out of nowhere to him. Because before he was explaining how Kelsier, he goes like, "Why I was trying to help people not starve to death." You were living a life of luxury that you stole from people while I was trying to fight and make a difference. You were taking advantage of this and making money with it. And he you can see that he he definitely does not think highly of Kelsier at this point. And believes that he's just hijacking the the Skull Rebellion essentially for some petty reason himself. And Kelsier March kind of points out it has to be revenge. And Kelsier's like, you don't really know why I'm doing this. Like, you've ne- he goes, you know me well, but you've never been good at knowing why I'm- I do the things I do. And Marsh kind of concedes that point. And you get this moment between them where Marsh, just in a set of brutal honesty, tells Kelsier that he wished Mayor would have survived the pits and not him. And Kelsier agrees with him. And that's when Marsh finally sees, like, oh, we are both kind of on the same page, and he's more willing to believe. He goes, I know, Kelsier, you're doing this for a selfish reason, but I, I'm sure now it's not the money, you know? You're not, it's not good, but I can see that some good possibly could come out of this, so I'm willing to come back and listen to your crazy plan. And that was essentially the conversation between the two, and Kelsier makes a note that Marsh is a better man than he could ever be. Mm-hmm. And... That's kind of where that conversation's left. And Kelsier at the very end of it notices um, this blue line extending to the door and, and notes that, you know, some somebody, Vin, hasn't learned to not carry medals yet. And so he catches her spying on them. And he goes down to her place and knocks on her door. And she's trying to act all disheveled and, like, mess up her hair and act like she was sleeping. And she answers it. And he's just like, you know, I caught you. Just admit it. And Vin's like, no. And he goes, really? And she's like, okay. Yeah, you got me. And Kelsier decides that based on seeing that, it's a, it's a good night to go teach teach baby Mistborn. And so that's what the they plan on doing. Kelsier takes her up, gives her a mist cloak, which is pretty cool, and some metal to ingest, and she does. And he takes her out on his, kind of their first like training expedition. He walks through essentially step by step um, what the metals do. Uh, another thing he mentions that I kind of noticed on the read-through was like Reen's voice in the back of her head has told her consistently that 
she doesn't want to be ladylike. Um, yet Kelser specifically goes like, hey, half messing with her, but half being serious. Hey, when you're ready, you know, we can get you like a dress. Like we can like, you know, being ladylike has its bonuses. Like you can use that and to your advantage and it could be helpful to you. And I think I, that kind of stood out to me with this because I was like, oh, this is kind of, you know, we kind of see our, our clashing of mentors here in the sense like Kelsey is supposed to be the person she's going to be learning to be a misborn from. And he's saying, do this. And Reen's training in the back of her head saying, no, don't do this. And he, he, she even said like, oh, this, he, his, his voice keeps coming back to me. It's worse. It's worse ever since I met Kelsey here. Yeah. And I mean, I think it, it shows a pretty big clash, but yeah, he goes, Hey, we're going to be, learning now what all the different metals do but first you need to you need to know something this this is ours the night the mist they belong to us everyone fears them but we're not going to and you need to get that through your head right now that needs to be the first big thing here he said he even goes as far to say like then the the mist are your friends they're going to protect you and i really think she he, he's kind of trying to push into her here that like she needs to let go of like the the normal ska thinking and it comes to the nighttime and really know that she is in she's she's a person with power now cuz i think up to this point he's noticed she's strong but she doesn't realize it yet she doesn't realize her state her station her status with these abilities that she has and he discusses with her how it's good because we need to wear when we wear the mist cloaks if guards see us they're going to ignore us you know it's not right for them to think uh, that that Mistborn has to be some noble person. So it's not good etiquette for them to even try to notice them. They'll just pretend like we're not even here. And with that, they take off and he starts teaching her. He teaches her that she feels she has eight sources of power inside of her. And he teaches her that each of those sources has a pull and a push. And so she starts with pewter. And she notices that it's making her react more quickly. And he goes, yep, that's you pushing your body. You know, you're burning pewter. You're pushing your body. It's going to give your body strength. It's going to make you, your bones, your skin, everything tougher. You're going to react quicker. You're going to heal quicker. You're going to ignore pain easier and things like that. And he he goes through to its, uh, he mentions that it burns very quickly, which we kind of already knew from his fight, his fight scene. But he, he specifically mentions that it's going to burn more quickly. And he mentions flaring here. And flaring is when you burn metals at an extended rate or really fast all at once and you get like a burst of whatever ability that you're getting from the metal. And also he mentions exactly what burning is. I know I've been asking that. He mentions that burning is just what they call activating the alimantic metal. That's That's all that is. And so... On this topic of burning, he, d- he describes to Vin that burn- that you have to burn alimantic metals that are pure. You need to burn metals that were made for alimancers because they have to be made in a very specific way. If they're made wrong, you get an entire range of things that come from, um, hey, you get a little bit of power to you're sick. You're going to be sick if you burn burn something that isn't correct. And it can be deadly. Yeah, and it, it can be deadly. Um, but, uh, essentially he continues to go through the metals. You get bronze, which is, 
if you're a bronze misting, you are considered a seeker. Bronze lets you detect allomancy around you or detect people who use it. He talks about how copper can create a copper cloud, essentially, and it's like bronze people who are sensing allomancy, it blocks their ability to sense allomancy in that cloud. And for the person creating the cloud, they can't be affected by emotional allomancy, which we kind of learn, you know, when clubs left, Kelsier offhandedly mentioned, you you can't be affected by Breeze. And he's like, I know. Now we know, like 100% for sure. When he's burning, when clubs or Vin or whoever's burning copper, emotional allomancy can't even bother them. But it doesn't protect those around her, is what he said. It says it will hide them, but it will not protect them from emotional allomancy. And... He talks more, he talks, he goes in, he tells her, hey, we're going to hold off on steel and iron pushing for a little bit. He doesn't say those words at that point, but he says, we're going to hold off on these and tries to just tell her, try to, tries to talk to her about consequences before he does this and kind of tries to quiz her, you know, you know, what, ha- you know, there are pewter, there are people who burn pewter who die from their wounds after the fight because they ignore wounds that are too, like, are too, just too bad for a person to handle. Yeah, it wears off and you're basically a normal person. Yeah, and with the same wound. Yeah, and I think he like yells at her or something that scares her. He's just like, yeah, he goes, ah, yeah. When you're burning ten, which I don't think I mentioned, when you're burning ten, you know, all your senses are amplified, and so he Mm -hmm. yells and catches her really off guard and hurts her ears. And he's like, yeah. So when you have extended senses, right, you know, that can be a big disadvantage. You have consequences for doing these things, and you need to understand these because uh, she disobeys them really pretty quickly and. She ends up trying to use steel and iron early without his training, and she almost impales herself with a little screw. And he's like, this is what, what I was trying to say. This is consequences, right? What happens when you when you push on something, you know? And if you're heavier than it, right, it's going to fly away from you. If it's heavier than you, you're going to fly away from it. When you pull on something, if it's heavier than you, you're going to pull to it. If you're heavier, uh, you're going to pull it to you. Everything's about consequences, and you need to understand that because... Iron and steel are going to be your two best weapons, your two best tools in your kit, if you can master them. And then he says, let's jump on this wall. (laughs) And they jump on the wall, and that's where we're left with chapter seven. In the end, I worry that my arrogance shall destroy us all. All right. We're into chapter eight now. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Vin's on top of a wall. And she jumps off and fails terribly. It's uh, quite interesting there. So Vin makes the jump. We left, we left the last chapter with her still pushing her way on top of the wall in Lufadel. And she's just kind of balancing herself at the top. She hasn't landed yet. She's freaking out. Kelsier's laughing at her. Like, you know, oh, you can balance yourself. It's easier to balance yourself on three points. But you can do it on one. You got this. And something he mentioned, though, which I thought was really interesting, was he says her body has been balancing itself forever. And so even though she's alimantic pushing, her body will still help her naturally balance out, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, it really kind of lends weight to this idea of like using the power. You know, it takes skill, but it is also in a way like instinctual or innate, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, he helps her get on top of the wall. And he's like, we're going outside we're going outside of the wall here and she's like at night in the mist and he's like yep um all right yeah so just jump off and you know still push your way down push a little bit before you hit the ground so you don't crash hard and you'll be all good and 
bye and she's like no wait and he's like no really there's like a guard patrol coming so bye and he just jumps off and uh, she jumps off with him she screws up big time she pushes herself away she's about to crash into the ground and die because she's not over her anchor anymore as they called it and uh Kelsier snags her out of the sky because he before he had given her a belt with some metal in it and he catches her out of the sky and puts her down gently and again he's just making fun of her no well, he makes a point he's like eh, might as well put you in you know death uh, and danger while someone's around yeah yeah might as well might as well experience it now but yeah um they go off into the forest outside of the city in the mist and Kelsier doesn't tell them where, where they're going. She asks, and he's just like, well, I got a place. We're, we're just going to be going to my place. We're going to go. And Vin just has time to herself, and she starts to think, and she tries to like go through the different things she's seeing in the environment. And really, she kind of says something that I think I was really thinking about at this point in the book, too, which is, where the heck does all the ash go? <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. if it's consistently raining ash, would that not just bury everything? And Vin's like, well, I mean, we sweep it into water, so, like, I guess water breaks it down. And so, I mean, I guess that makes sense a little bit. Like, well, not really. I don't know. I mean, it seems like there's, it seems like a majority of this economy is, is clearing ash away, so. <laughs> yeah, well, they, she's just kind of left her own thoughts as they're walking through, and she kind of like senses something. She has this feeling. She's like, something's off. And Kilser's like, oh, oh, you feel that? Oh, yeah, I know. That's probably a mist wraith. What? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> this thing. What? So the, all the legends that like Kelsier has kind of noticed and called the skull superstitious for like, apparently they're real. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it must be a mist wraith. And she's like, uh, he goes, you want to go see it? And she's like, oh, Okay. It's like finding you, out the paranormal activity demon is real and it's around it's right around the corner. Hey yeah, you wanna go you wanna go see it? Knock knock. Um yeah, Kelsier takes her back and they hide, and this thing is real. The mist wraiths are real. Um it's described as like a dark mound, and then she turns her tin on, and it's like this big bulbous beast with translucent skin that has the limbs of several different animals, including people like sprouting out randomly from it and it's just crawling along the limbs don't even seem to be functional or anything Uh, and kelster explains that like oh yeah they they can reproduce and everything they can duplicate but what they do is they they they're like scavengers they they eat whatever they can find and once they do they're able to reproduce it and He's like, yeah, and she's like, well, why haven't any, why has anyone killed these things? Why haven't they cleared them out? He goes, he goes, here's my here's my altruistic view of it, and here's my super pessimistic view of it. Uh, altruistic, they don't hurt people. He goes, he's never he's he's never heard of a story where they've attacked a person. He says a, a healthy, fully done person at least. Yeah, and so he he's like they, they they're scavengers they don't really hurt people you know he's like but she's like there's people in there and he goes yeah he probably found a body and in the world we live in it would make total sense that like they they dumped a scholar's body somewhere or like they just didn't even bother to pick it and it probably probably found it so that to me that makes sense that's his good view of these things he's like the less good view is the noblemen have a great use for them and he says no more but 
I'm, I'm sure we can all assume that the noblemen love to keep the ska in their huts at night, not even have to worry that they run away because they're so afraid of these things. Or something. I mean, well, yeah, I'm not sure what he means by that. Um, but yeah, so after they kind of leave the, they leave the, the misting, <laughs> the mist wraith, they, um, eventually find a, what's it called? A, a carriage, sorry, a carriage. And at the carriage is waiting a man by the name of Sazed, which Vin immediately recognizes as a terrorist steward. That's what she calls him. Sazed is supposedly like a very tall and lengthy man. His like arms are way too much and Vin's eyes are way too long for his body. He has he doesn't have a lot of hair. He's in robes that are just absolutely beautiful. She she makes a note of his high voice. Um and he seems to be Kelsier's servant, or at least someone who works for Kelsier, because he calls he's like, you know, welcome back, Kelsier. Where are we going? And he's like, Well, Sazed, we're going to the place and says it's like all right we'll get in i'll take you to the place and they seem to set off and we get a little bit more about kelsier and marsh's background together because vin asks kelsier if you know is marsh the older one and he goes yeah marsh is my older brother and she asked him like well did he beat you a lot and he's like no no like <laughs> What do you mean? Did he beat me? No, like we get in fights, but he's never laid a hand on me. And Vin just doesn't believe him. He's like, ah, that must be why he hates you so much because you stopped him from beating you. Yeah, yeah, you stopped him from beating you. And he's like, no, he never wanted to. And Vin just like can't wrap it and like wrap it around her head. So I was like, you know, dang, Vin, Vin, like, you know, we heard it's bad, but like it must be really bad because Vin thinks abuse is the natural state of things. Mm -hmm. And that that's kind of sad. But Kelsier tries to, you know, Kelsier tries to explain that, like, hey, Vin, I need you to trust me. If you can't trust me, like, you can't be a part of the crew. He's like, I'm not trying to push you away or anything, but if you don't trust me, you can't be a part of a crew, part of the crew. And Vin goes, he goes, I run it. There's no chance of betrayals, whatever. And ooh, Vin says something. Um, you know, he she brings up that he was abused, he was betrayed, and that's how he was caught. So what was that all about? And us being in Kelsier's head at this point, we get to see firsthand how much this shakes him. And he, in order to try it as a last-ditch effort to try to see what Vin's going to do, he takes all the money he got from Cayman, you know, from, from that, from essentially what Vin pulled in for Cayman. He takes all that money and just tosses at her and says, like, I'm not keeping you here for any reason. I'm not going to hide information from you. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try to stop you. And she goes, "Well, I do. I can't feed myself." And he goes, "Well, here's this money. You know, if you want to be here, you need to be here, and you have to want to because that's how the things around here run. We trust each other, and if you're going to be here, you need to trust me." And this whole time, she's thinking like, "The only reason I'm going to hang out here is because he needs to teach me about the two metals that he didn't teach me about." And he even says, I'll teach you that and you can leave if you want to. Yeah, literally when we get to where we're going, I will teach you those two and you can just walk away if you want. And so ultimately she decides to stay and she claims to Kelsey that the reason she wants to stay is because she's just curious how his plan's going to turn out because she points out it's insane. And she openly this time like, isn't like, oh, that's insane. This little, she like straight up says, 
you know you're going to lose. You know you're going to die. You know the Lord Ruler is going to beat all of you. Why are you doing it? And he's like, we don't know anything. And that was like his whole argument. We don't know anything. We can try. And so she's like, I'm going to stay because I want to f- figure out how this is going to go. Well, they the last little bit of advice he gives her before they arrive at Lord Renew's Manor is that we learn again that you need to burn away all the metals when you're done with burning metals for the day. And he says, if you don't, you can get really sick doing that. And he also points out and actually says out loud, oh, by the way, if the metals that you burn are also really, really off, like have almost no alimentic properties, they're just messed up in some sort of way. Oh, and by the way, if you have any, if you take any sort of metals or you burn metals that are off in any sort of way that don't have alimentic properties, it will kill you. And she's like, oh, well, that's good to know. Well, they arrive at Lord Renew's place, and Vin is awestruck by how pretty everything is. She describes how they've scrubbed the place clean of ash. He has, like, marble white, like, flooring, which seems pretty counterintuitive when there's basically soot everywhere, but, like, it's completely clean. They keep it completely clean, and they do a fantastic job. And she says that this is beautiful, but she sees Kelsier's like off about things. And she's like, why, why are you off about things? You know, are you, are you sad because it's so much waste that's built off the back of Scott's? And Kelsier's like, eh, really, it's just not beautiful. And she's like, what do you mean? And he goes, everything's brown. What do you mean? The plants are supposed to be brown. No, they're not. They're supposed to be green. And... That's something we talked about in our epigraph episode. That and then is like, what a weirdo! Yeah, You're thinking yeah. plants are going to be green. Why would plants be green? That doesn't make any sense. Like so weird. But yeah, we t- I think we talked about it in the prologue. I think we talked about it in our epigraphs episode. But we discussed this idea of like, it's sometimes hard to remember that like, oh man, everything's brown. All the plants are brown. Yeah, yeah there's there's no color to the plants. Or if there is, I want to say in chapter five it mentioned that there was a little bit of color to the plants, but it's so incredibly rare. It's like a nobleman's treat mm-hmm. to have have something that isn't just brown. And so they arrive. Lord Renew comes out, and Vin's impressed because she says, "When this guy looks at me, I know he's fake, and it does not feel like he's faking as a nobleman. Like I feel just as uncomfortable around him as I do the real deal." And so we get to see firsthand that whoever this is, they are doing an incredible job at impersonating Renew. An incredible job. Well, they take him inside, they feed them, Renew and Kelsier excuse themselves to talk about things, and we get our first little bit of interaction between Sacid and Vin, where we learn, again, that Sacid is what is known as a, as a terraceman steward. And apparently they're sought after by the noblemen as being like the perfect servants. They are a master class. Um, I don't, I might be wrong in this, so I apologize if I am, but like English butlers, right? It's like seen as an honorable profession. And so like this kind of is what it seems like. It's like these, the, the, these servants, it's seen as a big deal and something honorable for a lower class person to be able to expire to it's like a high dollar thing yeah to it's, aspire to these standards these are like like really these are like educated well-known like high-end people yeah and Sazed, you know vin wants to talk to Sazed. he gets kind of annoyed that he's standing somewhat at attention behind her and he she tries to get him to talk to her talk to her and say get in front of me and 
he jokes with her by standing next to her and he just kind of messes with her and she tries to in a roundabout way go i don't know how much says knows but i need to know what he's doing here so she tries to ask in a roundabout way why he's here and he just straight up comes out with her. he goes are you asking why a terrorist man is a part of a rebellion to overthrow the final empire and she's like oh god <laughs> literally like two sentences before that they were like yeah they're the perfectly perfect servants that are completely loyal to the empire and he's like oh yeah no not me yeah and um another thing he notices here is that we talked about before is like with religious beliefs and everything he straight up points out he goes you know if this religious belief that uh, in the lord ruler isn't enough for you you know i have plenty more i can introduce you to if you want and he just overall is a an interesting, just a really interesting person. He's supposed to be this master servant that you know, these people like this, this these people, the terrorist stewards are supposed to be these perfect servants. Yet here he is, perfect in skill, kind of lacking or different, and and I don't want to say faith, but just an ideology here on what what that should be. Well, Kelsey and Renew come back out. They're done talking. Renew talks about how, hey, Vin's not going to be a good heir for me. You know, he's not going to pretend to be a good heir for me. It's not going to work because she, you know, there's too many reasons why, like, she's a girl. That's the biggest thing. I can't have a girl as an heir when I have plenty of male cousins. I can't, you know, oh, and if she's my heir and she's unmarried, it's going to pull way too much attention to her because everyone's going to want to try to get her hand and try to get a hold of the estates and stuff. So it's like, that's just a terrible idea. Let's just make her a scion of mine. She's a back backwater, country, rural scion, which is why she's not as educated, and I'm doing this. She's here as a favor. And everyone's like, agreed, agreed, great idea. And they retire for the night. Kelsier apologizes to Vin and tells her that he's sorry that he didn't include her in on the conversations and that he promises it has nothing to do with the job directly or her. It was a personal matter. Otherwise, he would have included her because she's a part of the crew and her input matters. And she's kind of thrown off by that. We end this chapter and part one with, I think, something that's very interesting to hear. Sazed being this master class in professionalism and, and this servant, then ask him, is Kelsier a good man? And he says, one of the best I've ever known. And that's the end of part one. It amazes me how many nations have united behind our purpose. There are still dissenters, of course, and some kingdoms regrettably have fallen to wars that I could not stop. Still, this general unity is glorious, even humbling, to contemplate. I wish that the nations of mankind hadn't required such a dire threat to make them see the value of peace and cooperation. So chapter nine, we ended last episode with the end of part one in the book and a pretty dire epigraph. And I think kind of like you mentioned, it's time for the shoe to drop somewhere. Something's, it's a brewing, it's time to happen. Piss in my ass. <laughs> I'll just start over because I didn't like that intro anyway. <clears throat> so chapter nine, we get a time jump. We're back to Vin training, I guess, the anime training arc, and she's fighting someone we don't know. She's gotten significantly better at manipulating things. Yeah, we get again 
um, just a showing of how Brandon takes like a chaotic scene and kind of formulaically breaks it down. And I don't know about you, but it was pretty easy to picture what was going on Indeed. all the way to her catching herself, jumping off of trees, pushing on things. Like it was pretty, pretty smooth. And we, we learned she's, she's sparring Kelsier and they have a pretty close, close fight near the end. And Kelsier of course comes out on top, but we learn at this point that there's been a couple of months time skip and Vin is looking real good. Kelsier tells her that, hey, we're going to go ahead and split up now, and I'll meet you back at the mansion, and Vin heads back while Kelsier, Kelsier heads somewhere. Vin, during this time, and while she's, uh, like while she's fighting and after the fact and she's returning back, has this like feeling in her, and she, I think like, she says that this has always felt right to her. Like she didn't know what she was missing. She realizes that she was missing some big part of her life by not pushing out and using these powers. And you can tell that like while she's using them and fighting with them, they feel really innate to her. And she's showing herself to be a real prodigy here. And I think in my opinion, it's kind of starting to form a problem because we, you know, we eventually get a little bit, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but we eventually get to a point where She's focusing so much on these powers that she doesn't seem to be trying or focusing on anything else. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of starting to get this weird feeling of, is she getting to that point where the power power might be addicting, power might be uh, alluring, and she's kind of just kind of pushing into it? Well, admittedly, I'd probably also be get pretty addicted pretty quick. Yeah, but she mentions so often, you know, go, going in, so she returns to Lord Renew's manor, and this is when she starts to worry. So Vin makes it back to Lord Renew's manor, and she's thinking by this point how nervous she is about the imitating a noblewoman part. She says, again, we get that feeling of she feels at home in the mist, yet here, having to imitate this noblewoman to be a part of the plan, it is absolutely terrifying her. She arrives back with at Lord Renew's manor, and she points out how Kelsira's right about whoever's imposter impo being an imposter whoever is impersonating there we go imposterating imposterating <laughs> um whoever's impo oh my gosh you made me say it again look at that whoever's impersonating lord renew is absolutely flawless he keeps he keeps such a strict like schedule he keeps such a strict tie on his workers yet he doesn't abuse them or do anything wrong to them he just demands excellence and She's like, yeah, this guy could hold up to anything, you know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know we had seats of nobles here and nothing, nothing's gonna throw this guy off. And I think she's again. We see her making a big deal out of like knowing every member of the staff, so she can keep track of them, knowing everyone that she can see in here. Again, kind of feeling uncomfortable with how clean and secure everything is. And she gets she's in for a bit of a surprise because Sazed's waiting for her with a servant woman and the servant woman is there to give her a haircut and get there to kind of uh you know dollar up a bit and make her look more ladylike because up to this point she's kept her hair in a mess she's done what rena said mm -hmm. which is look like a thief first and a lady second and so that of course is incredibly uncomfortable for her and yet it starts and kelsier shows up here to tease her a little bit more but 
we learn where Kelsey's been going after all the training sessions with Vin. Kelsey, after every session they go out and they train, he goes and attacks another great house. He goes and stirs up just general chaos. He dresses differently every time. He changes up his objectives every time. Sometimes it's to kill people. Sometimes it's to steal something. He's just changing everything up. And he's just trying to sow as much chaos with the great houses as possible. Well, Sazed sits Vin down and decides, hey, it's time to uh, bother you a little bit more. Can I give you another proposal? And Vin's like, fine, sure. And Sazed pitches another religion to her, which we can assume based on her reaction that he's pitched several religions before this. Mm-hmm. And she every time at the end, he asks her the same question. Well, you know, did you like that one? And she's like, nope. He goes, all right, that's no problem. I'll find another one. And the religion he pitches this time is like trilogism, something along those lines. And we learn that somewhere in Scadriel, in the northern part at least, there was a bunch of like mystics or whatever they called them where they had like barely any light like like days and days were really really short the big nights and stuff like that and the thing that stood out to me which i found a little creepy is he's like the 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 stars are uh, trails thousand eyes Mm -hmm. looking down upon you and uh it was like anti-worship for the sun yeah and like yeah yeah we like the dark yeah we like the dark a lot and Sazed said that it was like it was a good match for Vin because of like what was it like she liked the darkness too like yeah. the mistborn do yeah because yeah. they like the mist she liked to be out of sight she liked the concealment and everything he's like this is a great match for you but if you don't want it it's all right I got plenty more and 562 was it that or was it 526 it was our uh, some combination of five uh, I, I wrote 526 which means it could just be <laughs> Could be a, a lot, a lot of uh, uh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was over five hundred, five hundred plus, five hundred plus. There we go. Belief systems. Neither of us are wrong now. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> the thing about Sazed though that we're learning here is that he has all those memorized. Vin asks him, "You have those memorized?" He goes, "Yeah, basically." And he goes, and she asked him why, and he's like, "Well, it's, it's because." People are value valuable, therefore their beliefs are valuable. And we're going to come to a point where the final empire is going to be no more. And people are going to want to return, you know, with their newfound freedom or whatever it was. They're going to want to return to to seeking out and understanding this knowledge that their forefathers had, essentially. And he refers to himself as uh, a keeper of some sorts. At least that's what he calls himself. And he finds that it's it's a part of the the terrorist people. It's he calls it a sect of their of their whatever they are. And it's their job to remember information that would be forgotten through whatever it is and pass it on once it the, it's safe to. And uh yeah. We get at the by the end of this, Vin has gotten a wonderful haircut, and Kelster comes in and compliments her, says she looks great, and he specifically notes, like, I need to keep complimenting her because we need her confidence up. She she hides too much. She needs to be able to stand tall. But she walks Sazed and Kelster both walk out of earshot of Vin for um, to talk about her 
and to see if she's ready. And something that stands out to me is Kelsier mentions that he's kind of nervous and he's kind of sad that he's pushing Vin at this point because he wishes he could train her so much more on her allomantic powers. He wishes that he could give her more time to train under Sazed to to learn everything. And, and so Sazed goes, hey, how about you pass off some of your job to the other crew members? Have her go shadow people or shadow them because they're supposedly experts in their craft. And so you can focus on teaching her one or two of the medals and you can pass off the other medals to the club, uh, to like the, the crew members, essentially. And Kelster loves this idea, but he asks the big question, is Vin ready? And Sazed basically gives him the answer of, I don't know, but we're leaning to no. And Kelster goes, I feel guilty of sending her in. And Sazed goes, but that's not going to stop you. And he's like, guilt's not going to stop me. I think that's a that's a big thing that we see with Kelsier here. Like, he's talking up, and you can like, we're, he's our point of view character here, so we know he means it when he's saying he feels bad for doing this, but he still doesn't stop him from sending her essentially into blinds den. And so he asked Sazed to be her terrorist, so to accompany her and to be her steward. And just go with her to make sure she's safe. And Sazed agrees and says he'll protect her with his life. And we get another very interesting thing here. Because Kels here in his own mind goes, you know, thank you, Sazed. I believe you. Because anyone who wants to stand against a pissed off keeper is not going to have a good day. It seems Rashik represents a growing faction in the terrorist culture. A large number of the youths think that their unusual powers should be used for more than just fieldwork, husbandry, and stone carving. They are a rowdy, even violent, far different from the quiet, discerning terrorist philosophers and holy men that I have known. They will have to be watched carefully, these terrorist men. They could be very dangerous if given the opportunity and motivation. All right. Chapter, Chapter 10. 10. Ooh, there's so much to break down in that epigraph, and we'll get to it soon. <laughs> but we open up again, this time with Vin traveling through the slums of Lufidel. So she's back and she's traveling by herself, which is something that is pretty interesting. She's trying to hide herself and keep herself in incognito mode. She's she mentions I think at one point offhandedly that she's at the age where she should be either married off or or uh, having children or working but her size like allows her to kind of slink down and stay out of sight we get a little bit of more of painting the background of what the everyday life looks like for the skull workers in lufudel they mention how the noble houses own the kitchens that feed them and they're they're paid in food tokens not real money they're like hey you you worked for the day here's a here's a food token go eat and how the garrison itself, their job is not even necessarily to protect the city. It's to, again, control the city in ways such as, you know, looking around and making sure that beggars aren't doing anything other than being worthless. You know, making sure every working ska is working, not often about like Venice. You know, trying to figure out and determine whether any of the skas are being rowdy or not. So the garrison doesn't seem too great. They don't seem like they're doing anything other than just 
policing the ska themselves. But kind of moving on, Vin goes to one of the kitchens, hands the guy a coin that is different than the the normal food token that they would be giving for the kitchen. And he nudges her over to the opposite side where a guy lets her in and we learn that this is like the back lair, essentially, for um, an operation that Breeze is doing. And we learn that Vin was kind of pushed off onto Breeze because Kelsier wants his crew, the experts in these different allomantic powers, to start training her because, well, he can do everything. That's a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to get her the best training that she can get in each individual, and Breeze here is a soother. So she arrives, and she kind of talks with Breeze about using emotional allomancy, and you can see that she has a... She doesn't really have respect for it. She seems more interested in the other ones, and she just thinks, oh, I soothe your emotion, right? Like, you're mad at me, I make you less mad at me. It's that simple. And Breeze goes into kind of like this elegant discussion of how, like, if you want to be a real soother, you want to be a soother that's good and worth their weight in gold, and you want to be able to actually get the outcomes you want, you have to be able to read the room. You have to be able to understand what emotions they're feeling, you know? If... You're feeling mad, you know, you, 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 you don't necessarily want to dampen the madness completely, like, or, or the anger completely. If you do, someone's going to recognize that. You might want to dampen the madness and dampen another emotion. You might, like, and he just goes into how it's just more complex than you think. You have to know people. You have to know people. And Breeze knows people. And we see that he knows people very well because his whole operation here is that he is going to let Kelsier speak and essentially him and his team of soothers and rioters are going to smother emotions that they don't want have don't want at the correct time and riot those emotions that they do want and vice versa in this speech to try to convince as many of them as possible to join the skull rebellion well before Kelsier arrives ham arrives and we get to finally see you know, kind of what we said about in our first uh, our first episode here. Ham, it kind of exists to annoy Breeze, and here we go. Mm-hmm. Ham, Ham decides to come in and drop some philosophical question that Breeze tells, like warns Ben, don't bite, don't mm-hmm. bite, and Ben bites, bites, and here we go. I don't want to say what was the question. The question was something along the lines of like, are we good people if we are overthrowing the final empire? Because the Lord Ruler is God, and if God has made this, then it should be right because he's the one that makes morality. And I found it very interesting that Ham might like legitimately believe the Lord Ruler is a slither of infinity. Or a piece of God himself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because... This is a very, very big thing in Plato, which I'll bring up later, but... <laughs> but yeah, like, he, he, he seems to actually believe it, you know? At least with the questions he's been posing. I think in the... The meeting in earlier chapters when Kelsier's trying to actually convince everyone, he even says, like, you can't overthrow him. He's a, sl- he's a slither of infinity. And so it's like, uh, I guess Ham actually believes that. He believes the teachings here uh, of the Steel Ministry. And so he pos- he just poses the question to Vin, you know, if that is actually true and he is, then going against him is doing evil. Is it not? And Breeze tells him to shut up. Hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, Ham realizes Kelsier shows up, so he's going to go do his job and perform security, make sure no one else is showing up unwanted, and he's going to keep everyone out. And I'm not going to talk about this part 
in an extreme manner because you just need to listen to Breeze talk. Listen to the man <laughs> perform his craft. Picking at his emotions, using colors, like sending people out in different colors. Yeah, that signaling exactly what he wants. Yeah, no, this this guy it was it was awesome. It, like again, leave it to leave it to Brandon to take something that seems mundane and simple and show you how complex it can actually be and what you can actually do with it. It is awesome. But we get Kelsier shows up. Basically, is like, you know, come fight without saying come fight. I want to say Breeze actually says he specifically leaves out, or it was Vin. He specifically leaves out, uh, like damning information where he basically is like, it's it's because of the implications. It's mm-hmm. the implications. <laughs> but um, he's like, yeah, you need, you know, he basically implies and tries to get everyone over here and says, hey, or he's like, hey, you know, come join the rebellion, but doesn't say that out loud. So people have, you know, deniability if they want. Mm-hmm. But um, people start getting mad at him and he just shows the scars again. And he basically says, the Lord Ruler, I'm something the Lord Ruler cannot kill. And then just leaves. And Breeze is like, well, we probably got like 20 people out of that. So that was a good haul. But he points out that, you know, they get they get about 20 people per meeting. They have a meeting every two to three days. How is he going to put up a 10,000 man army in a year with that? And by this point, we're assuming they're like four months in because I think that's what the time skip was yeah, in the last chapter. A few months at least. And so they, he's like, well, we need to go back. You know, we need to call a meeting of the, of Kelsier's crew to kind of determine how we're going to change this up because I'm not going to meet quota with what's going on right now. And, uh, yeah, we, we pass back to Kelsier at this point, and we get his point of view. We jump to him, and he's talking about... He's thinking about he's thinking on the rooftop about things and about ATM, and he says something that, again, is a little bit telling. We still don't know what ATM does, but he says any, any Mistborn burning ATM is essentially invincible. Yep, and the other big thing I think he mentioned was 90% of the atrium is being hoarded somewhere. Yeah, and when he thought about that too, something big he pointed out that I was just was such as like a sudden drop because it's Kelsier's mind. But like he goes, oh yeah, in the 11th medal, I started those rumors. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it has rumor. It has rumors that it's it's rumored to be able to grant a misborn the ability to kill the Lord Ruler, and yet he's the one starting. <laughs> because the I said so. <laughs> I will do it. Therefore, it is. <laughs> um, so many many people have said. I'm, I'm just saying that many people have been saying about this eleventh medal, and I, I I've heard many people say it. So I mean, uh, I'm just saying that it, I, I, it, many people have said so. This 11th medal. <laughs> yeah. So that was just kind of interesting that it was just <laughs> such like a casual drop. Oh, yeah, I just made that up. But um, huge, huge, this medal. Yeah, it's huge. huge. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Sazed shows up and realizes that Kelsier's just overlooking Kredik Shaw, which is the, the Lord Ruler's palace. The House of a Thousand Spires. Yep. And Sazed immediately recognizes. He's probably thinking about Mare because he's there. He's overlooking it. That's where it all ended. And Kelsier thanks Sazed for coming to Luthadel because we again get this dropped that the Lord Ruler since the beginning of the Ascension has tried to hunt keepers to extinction. And he thanks Sazed for being a keeper and going like, you know, 
you literally walked in to the house of the guy who's trying to kill all of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he respects him big time for that. But that epigraph, we'll get, we'll get to it. I'm not going to interrupt my summary here. <laughs> but um, Sazed mentions that the Lord Ruler fears his people because they do not under he can't, he doesn't understand the Keeper's powers, and so it's 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 confirmed. Sazed has some sort of powers, and it's not Alamancy because why would the Lord Ruler fear something that he is he is one? Maybe right? it's the power of friendship. <laughs> I don't think so, though. The real, the the real religions are the religions we made along the way. Um, Which Kelsey actually said he was like something like, "Yeah, are there any religions where they saw, shot, uh, slaughter noblemen as a duty?" And but yeah, Sage yeah. is like, "No," and he's like, "Oh, maybe I should found one." But yeah, getting to that, getting to that, like Kelsier sits him down, sits sits down with Sage and just says, "Sage, tell me another religion." And so we learned that this is a reoccurring thing that Sage does with maybe all people is mm-hmm. he tries to share his knowledge, share what he's the, the information he's been keeping with other people. And so Sazed mentions another religion talks about it. And then I think Kelsier says like, why didn't you try to convert me on that one? And says, like, Oh, because I know, I know this one doesn't fit you at all. And that's when he mentions, Oh, well maybe I, I should start my own religion. <laughs> I'm going to start my own religion with <laughs> dead <laughs> noblemen and boxings. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they both leave. They returned to Lord Renew's Manor, and they are. I actually don't remember if they're in Lord Renew's Manor, but they have the 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 Avengers come together. Okay, mm. we have like the crew comes together, and they're talking about what could go on, and they need Marsh to infiltrate the Steel Ministry, and he hasn't been able to yet. Which, funny enough, I think it's kind of hilarious. They call Marsh Iron Eyes, Iron Eyes. and they're like, "Oh yeah, we got to stop that because like Steel Inquisitors legitimately have because of the implications, yeah, because of the implications." <laughs> but yeah, Steel Inquisitors literally have that the spikes in their eyes, and so no one's like, "Yeah, we're not going to call them that anymore." No, but Marsh shows up. He has a hard time. He says he needs more time, and Vin's like, "I got an idea." Kelsier probably. I don't think it says Kelsier smiling, but you know Kelsier smiling. He's like, "Got." He's her. always smiling. Got her. Um, she's like, "I got an idea." You know, came in and one of our first things ever was working with this other crew leader and they were Theron, ta- yeah. Yeah, and they were talking about how they're trying to, you know, they're they have a front where they're gonna actually like try to ship up ministry goods. And through that, he we learned that there's an obligator that takes bribes. Maybe we can bribe him to have another alkalite. I was thinking it wasn't even ministry goods, it was ministry the acolytes. Yeah. So hmm, could we sneak a little someone in there? Yeah, and so Doxon writes it down and goes, This is a legitimate thing. Maybe we can bribe bribe them into sneaking Martian. That's the idea. And it, the this chapter ends with the big kind of boot in the face, the shoe dropping with the ministry has found Cayman's old lair. Which means they might possibly be on Vin's trail. 